Right now at Safeway, shop the big BOGO sale and get all your favorite cleaning essentials. Buy one, get one 50% off. Head into Safeway and shop for select items like Febreze air fresheners, Airwick scented oil refills, Glade three-wick candles, Mr. Clean antibacterial cleaner, Method all-purpose cleaner, or soft scrub cleanser. And get them buy one, get one 50% off. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Well, hello there, Wealthpreneur. Welcome back to the Share the Wealth show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to build, grow, and protect minority wealth. And today we are actually presenting you with our podcast spotlight series. This is where we are highlighting other high-level and impactful podcasts and episodes that are in alignment with the Share the Wealth show mission of building and growing minority wealth. So I really enjoyed this episode and I know you will too. So enjoy the show. Do you feel like you aren't living the life you should? While the hours and days go by and nothing seems to change? Well, I believe it doesn't have to be that way. My mission is to help you take the exit to excellence by learning from the wisdom and insight of people who have thrived through trauma, conquered massive challenges, and achieved the life they deserved. It won't be easy though. You're gonna have to learn, grow, and challenge yourself to think differently. So, I just have one question for you. Are you ready to break through your glass ceiling? Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Glass Ceiling. This is our host, Kofi Thompson here, and I am super pumped because I got my girl, Nicole, here. And man, Nicole, I feel like we've been like virtually known each other for a little bit now, but we finally got the opportunity to meet at a conference a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, we just, I just had to make this happen. I was like, man, I got to have you on the show. I got to have you share your story. And so I'm super pumped for this. If you guys don't know Nicole, she is a wife, mother of two toddlers, full-time employee and a multifamily investor of current holdings at NYC PA in the Southeast. She started her real estate journey with no money, no credit, and no connections. But after overcoming some tough challenges, acquired three-family house hack in 2015, and has since successfully grown and diversified her equity ownership in multiple commercial multifamily deals. Experiencing the power of multifamily led her on a mission to help others do the same. She founded Warvest Holdings, a private real estate equity firm with the mission to help others 
especially minorities and women, build wealth through increasing access to multifamily investment opportunities. And she's also the host of Share the Wealth podcast, a podcast dedicated to discussing non-traditional strategies to build, grow, and protect generational wealth for minority and underprivileged communities. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, well, you said that we have been like in the same circles. Like I've seen your face. I know your name. Yeah. I've heard of you plenty of times. And we had never, I don't even think we've ever been in the same like meetup at the same time, mm-hmm. attendees or no, no. even just <laughs> definitely never talked on the phone at all. And so it's like the first time we actually do cross paths is in person, which I think is great because it's so funny yeah. to have people virtually and then you never talk to them until like it's in person. That that was crazy, but it was a really great event. And thank you for giving me a ride to the airport and your swagged out car. So that, that was it. Yeah. And I really, I think one thing is cool because when we like talk, you could just immediately feel the energy. I was like, man, like we, we share values, we share character, we share a lot of things. So I appreciate that again. And one thing that I just was captivated by your story, you know, I didn't get to say it just now, but you shared a story about really humble beginnings. And I would love for you to share just a bit where you came from, because I think we're going to dive into a lot of things you're doing today, but I feel like for a lot of people that truly feel like connection to you, hearing where you've come from would be so powerful. So please share your story that you shared when we first met. Yeah. And I, first, before I dive in, I do want to say that hearing your story was just as powerful to me. And I'm sure your listeners have heard you share that before, but that was the first time I had heard it. So that was super powerful and impactful knowing your background and your journey. Kudos to you as well. So a little bit about my background and where I came from. I actually grew up in the suburbs in between New York and Philadelphia, closer to Philly. I came from a seven-person household. So my Mm -hmm. mom and dad together have five kids that we all lived. My four brothers, I'm the oldest girl, the only girl. And we all were raised together in the household. I do have step-siblings, so I'm saying that just to differentiate that. I do have more, but the one that we were raised in the same household, there were five of us. My dad always had disability and medical issues for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. The only time I remember him not, like I was super young and I remember one time he had, he was used to be a car mechanic. And so he did try to open a shop at one point mm-hmm. and I remember going by the shop, but that was the only time I feel like I, I actually have a memory of him being up and active and doing things and like working. Other than that, like every other memory is just him with his disabilities. Mm. And so my mom was the one working. She had Mm. the only real income for our family. And so she's working to support a family of seven. And she had two, she worked two to three jobs consistently up until I left high school to go to college. I think maybe that last year or two of high school is when she had started working part-time for New Jersey Transit and working her way up to full-time status there. Yeah. But in that, there was a lot I didn't know at the time because she did a really good job at shielding us from our financial issues mm. as kids. And we still felt, I felt like I lived a full childhood. Like we were in the suburbs, so we had a backyard. We had a little playhouse. We had some toys, not excess. But one, one thing that always stood out we always did everything on a budget. Well, mm-hmm. even going to the movie theater, we never went to the movie theater when movies first came out. 
it would always be, we had to go to the $2 movie theater down the road, which would only air movies like a few months, maybe four, five, six months after the premiere. So of course, for first world problems, but that was just like, oh, I can never see a good new movie. Like I always yeah. see old movies. But <laughs> a kid, like you just think, oh my gosh, I just, I, my mindset then just makes me like a little bit ashamed of myself. Like I was a selfish kid. I think most kids are self-serving about in that way. Yeah, um, yeah, but then whenever we would have to get clothes or shoes, it was never anything name brand. We got shoes from Payless. When you're young, that's an embarrassing mark. I remember one time, the one thing I wanted, Reeboks, was out with the solid color sneakers. Like they had every color, like it would be purple or blue or orange. Everything was that color. Like the shoelaces and the sole, everything was like just a solid color. And those were hot back in, I might be aging myself, but those were hot back then. (laughs) Everybody came out with those. And purple was my favorite color. And I just wanted a purple pair of sneakers. That's all I wanted for Christmas. And I thought saying that automatically she would know because the only purple sneakers out there in the market are the Reebok ones. My friend got her orange pair. Everybody at school had their pair, whatever color they wanted. So my mom had got some purple sneakers for Christmas, but they were like, I don't know what brand. They were like travel foxes. I don't even know. <laughs> no, I don't know no, how I'm she found them. <laughs> I don't know why I even remember that name. because it was still traumatizing to me at the time. That's the only reason I remember that name. <laughs> And they like had the white soles and white laces. And I'm like, this is not, but I had to, because my mom was like, she must've read the expression on my face because she was like, oh, I looked everywhere all over so hard to find purple sneakers. I looked everywhere for these. I knew she didn't, she looked everywhere, but she wasn't going to spend the money for the Reebok, right? Because that's just not what we did. And so then I felt really bad because you spent so much time and effort looking for these purple sneakers that I wanted. And so, of course, I pretended I was so happy. I probably wore them once to make her oh, see that I wore them. But you know, little things like that, even on a more kind of serious note that we didn't realize as kids, too, there were multiple times where we didn't have hot water and we'd have to boil water on the stove and then go to the bathroom mm-hmm. and mix it with the cold water to make warm water so we could wash up at the sink because there we couldn't take a bath that way or we'd fill it up the bathtub with that warm water and, and wash that way. Mm-hmm. Or times when we had to open up the stove in the winter and turn it on and sleep on the kitchen floor. Me and my brothers, it probably didn't do that many times, maybe two, three times that I remember. But those kind of things, it was in my child mind that I just assumed it was because the heat wasn't working or the hot water wasn't working. To me, it didn't register that we didn't have the money to pay for oil that month. You know what I mean? We ran out. So those kind of things, Mm -hmm. it was my mom. Like we had to do what we had to do, but she was just really good at not letting us hear about the financial struggles. So I still, I think that affected me in a way where one, the good thing is I learned my hustle from my mom. We used to go with her multiple times to help her with some of her jobs. If she was scheduled for a job and she had to be finished really quickly in a certain time so she could get the next job one time, sometimes she would bring us with her to help her like we would clean the church and vacuum all the aisles and all the pews and clean all the bathrooms. And we went to a pretty big church. So that was like time intensive, yeah. like vacuuming all the pews with a little sucker on the vacuum and going yeah, there and dragging yeah. his big vacuum through each pew right. and each aisle. Like, so it was a lot. And then she used to drive for New Jersey Transit, not New Jersey Transit, the Burlington County Times newspaper. <laughs> That's really aging me. 
because I used to also deliver papers. So we would, wow. she would drive wow. the truck that would wow. what drop the big bulk of papers to each newspaper delivery person, boy or girl or whatever. So we used to go at her with her three, four in the morning to do that. So I did learn my hustle and work ethic and perseverance and grit from my mother, no doubt. I also feel like though, I have a lot of money mindset issues based around the value of your work ethic and your time and like how much, like what hard work should be and how much you should get paid for that. And if you get a lot of money, yeah, yeah, if you get a lot of money for something that is, doesn't seem labor intensive, is do you deserve that money? You didn't work hard for it. Oh, that's, I like that. I want to dive into that because I feel like that is a narrative that a lot of us have, especially if we grew up like with working class parents, like seeing our parents like spend eight to 12 hours at work, not really going with them as they went through their jobs, just seeing them like grind really, and not even for that much, essentially. I guess dive for me. What is your, what are your thoughts on hard work and, or were maybe in the past? Because <laughs> I'm sure they've changed now or they're changing. Yeah, They are changing. I, I will say in full transparency, it's still something I have to struggle with all the time mm-hmm. when how much is too much money for the amount of effort put in. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty busy if people look at me and what I'm doing. I have a lot of things going on. And there's a lot of times where I feel like, am I doing enough? Like mm-hmm. at those moments where I'm tired or I don't want to stay up late that night. Like it's just, I have brain fog and whatever. I serve better if I go to sleep. So I'm well rested and can get up in the morning and like actually be productive. But in those times, it's like, I'm comparing myself to what I think everybody else is doing, who's a hustler or a grinder. And I'm thinking, no, everybody else is up till two, three in the morning. And so I'm slacking. I'm not doing enough because I can't stay up tonight till that. And there's been times where I'm just wanting and I can stay up that late and be productive. But then there's times when I can't. And so I try to give myself grace. But what I also struggle with is balancing grace with thinking that I'm giving myself, I guess, excuses for not hustling or excuses for not doing the extra, right? So am I disguising my procrastination as grace in order to make myself feel better about myself, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another layer of, a lot of the mindset that goes around it. And that's probably something completely different than the money. Yeah, I said we were talking about earlier. It's really interesting because one thing this is, I heard there's a couple of different factors that are really integral to highly successful people. And one of those things is they always feel like inadequate. They always feel like the things that they're doing aren't up to the standard. They feel like, man, I got to constantly improve. And there's constantly this battle between, oh man, you get, you may get through the end of the day, and you may have probably done more than some people do in a week, but you're still going to be like, man, like I, that was enough because I just saw David Goggins run 30 miles in two hours. So I clearly am not working hard enough. So, yeah. I, the one thing I'll take from that is you subliminally call me highly successful person. So thank you. I'm going to yeah. receive the receive it. I want to dive into something else because I know that you hear in this sphere right now, common conversations with a lot of people that are wanting to start this journey of building wealth and oftentimes talk with people about how to make sure they have a good start. And so I want to hear from you. What do you think are some of the biggest things that hold people back 
from building wealth and hold people back from really realizing a lot of those financial goals that they have. Man, this is so multi-layered. I think the first thing goes back to what I struggle with myself is money mindset. Like mm. How were you raised and how are you conditioned from the environment that you were raised in? Because mm. I've been doing a lot of re- not researching, but reading some books and things like that on, on changing your frame of reference and changing your paradigm. And yeah. what's your money thermostat set at? And it doesn't matter what that is. If you ever do make more money than that, you'll end up doing things to self-sabotage that will put, bring you back down to that level that you're comfortable at or the one that you know. And it's self-sabotage because you don't know, you're not purposefully doing it. Like you have the mindset of growth and abundance and all these things that you want and you're doing divisions and you're doing all the laws of abundance, laws of, laws of attraction and all of those things. But if you haven't really dug up subconsciously your thoughts, and why you think or react a certain way. And so reaction is a more of an innate thing that you can't, you don't control. It's just like somebody says something, you automatically reply this, or your first thought or feeling is like a certain reaction. So it takes a lot of, I just like clarity and intention to. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Feel what that reaction is that's happening or how, what do you want to say or what you did say or like, and think about why did I respond in that way to what that person or what this event or situation is. And thinking about that, and it's, it's very hard to be, because those are like innate responses, but those innate responses come from that sub psyche that you have ingrained in you and your subconscious for years and years. And it's hard to slowly dig those out. But if you can be more intentional about being aware of those kind of reactions, then you can slowly start to question yourself and think about where did that come from? If that's something from like my childhood, does it still serve me now? Do I still believe that? And if I don't believe it, what can I replace it with? What's my new belief? What's my new thought? Like, where can I go from there? Is If that's not serving me, and if that's going to hold me back from getting to where I need to go, then that thought needs to go. But it's like, it's a hard, it's not easy. It's a continuous improvement process. Like your subconscious was basically built over your entire life. So if you are now in a new mindset, in a new space and you want more, it's going to take a lot of internal work to get you past those hurdles that your subconscious is holding you down or keeping you back. So I think, so that was one part of the question is the money mindset is like the first part. 
And once you can start unearthing that, then you can be aware enough to think bigger and actually be able to achieve it and be okay mm-hmm. with receiving. Yeah. So that's another thing, being okay with receiving. Because a lot of times we think we have to do all this on our own or you don't mind giving to other people, but you feel if you're receiving that you owe somebody something or you didn't do it by yourself or you need help and some people feel bad about needing help. So even if you're like framed to be like this strong, independent person that can do all these things by yourself or on your own, or you just don't, or maybe it's just that you don't want to put somebody else in an inconvenient spot, right? Yeah. And so you're thinking of it that way. But in any mm-hmm. case, like if they're offering, then they think that it's not inconvenient for them. They're offering that. So you are actually robbing them of the opportunity to give, which makes them feel like, oh, I really wanted to help this person out, but they didn't want my help. And even if you need it, and even if you can do it on your own, there's nothing wrong with getting the assistance. And I'm saying all this from personal experience. Yeah. yeah. I feel like even I mentioned the ride to the airport from the conference. There was another, I I accepted your ride because you were going to the airport. There was another lady who lived right by the hotel and she offered to take me to the airport. And I was really vengefully putting that, no, I'm just going to pay for the Uber because I don't want to put you out of your way. Because it's half an hour to get to the airport, half an hour, now you have to drive an hour to drop me off, a complete stranger you just met. And I wasn't ready to accept that. So I have to put that out there like that. Mm -hmm. Even just that part of accepting things, like you have to get yourself ready to receive. If the universe is, if you want the universe or God and whoever to give you things and give you abundance, yeah. How can you get abundance if you won't receive it? Yeah. So how would you maybe start or where would you like dig into to work on our ability to receive? If I have a problem of just receiving anything, would it be like receiving help from someone that maybe my mindset's a little like, off there? Or like I when I receive something, like I don't know, a large lump sum of money, I feel bad about it, or like I'm trying to just give it away, like. Where would you like kind of, I guess, maybe dig into to work on air, but receive? I think the first thing, the easiest step when, because when it's not like a big sum of money or somebody putting out time and effort to help you with something, that's a little bit harder. But if you need to start exercising your receiving muscle, the easiest way to go about it, I feel, is when someone gives you a compliment. A lot of times people will give you a compliment and then they, you will say, thank you, but... I just did this sort of thing. Or thank you, but this old thing, this old sherry head is so long. I don't even know where I go. You brush it off in some kind of way, mm-hmm. not really fully receive it. Like you say thank you to be like polite, but then you brush it off to make it seem like it's really no big deal. Or like Absolutely. someone gives you a compliment at work because you did a good job. Well, yeah, but it was a team effort and blah, blah, blah. Which it probably maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe you were spearheading the team, but whatever it is, you still brush that off. The best advice I heard was accept the compliment and just say thank you. Yeah. Follow it up with anything else. Just say thank you. And that's it. And so just that by itself is powerful enough because internally you might want to say all these other things to offset the compliment. (laughs) Yeah. Learn how to just say thank you and leave it at that. That is the best way to start exercising it. And then as people like actually are offering physical time or effort toward on your behalf or, or, or you get money, you can now be comfortable with just saying thank you. Yeah. 
I love that. I love that. I also have had feelings, many feelings of like just having a hard time receiving. I, I feel like a lot of it oftentimes stems from just like many other things in life, like how we grew up, like a lot of things we experienced in our childhood. And for me, like what I realized is that that ability to receive can oftentimes come from our feelings of what we feel like we deserve, right? If we feel like we do or do not deserve like good things in life, if we don't feel like we deserve good things in life, like that can make it hard for us to receive good things. Because mm-hmm. it's like when bad things happen, we're just like, oh, you know, I was supposed to have, you know what I mean? But yeah. we feel like we deserve good things. That opens our ability up to receive more. And that feeling of deservingness actually comes down to like our feelings of worth and worthiness. Because then we feel like we're worthy of like, usually in our current state, we feel like we're worthy of all the things that we're achieving. But then when something comes that we're maybe unfamiliar with, we're like, man, if I don't feel worthy of that, I'm not going to feel deserving of it. And it's going to be very hard to receive that thing. Um, so one way that I really started working on my aspects of how I can receive things is like having self-care days, like making sure that no matter like what you're like, yes, I love this shirt. Self-care is a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> This is yes. from Shameless Plug. My friend, Renita Adele White, has yeah. a lot of human, yeah. human intonation that went into um, Black People Are America's Hot Sauce. Mm. And so that brand has a lot of these types of yeah. Black affirmation teams. I love it. I love it. No, and it's so important. A lot of people take it for granted or they they skip over that part just because oftentimes you may just feel like, hey, like we're just here to work and provide. But if you can't give to yourself, it's going to be very hard for someone else to give to you. <laughs> That's going to be extremely difficult. So whether it be like a five, 10 minute walk, not everyone has the opportunity to take a week vacation or a couple of days, but you have a few minutes where you can just say, hey, let me just separate myself from whatever it is I'm doing. Maybe take five minutes in the afternoon or five minutes at night, read a little bit, maybe do a massage monthly or something to make yourself it's really conditioning your body and your mind to be in that more receiving mode. And I think that's so, so powerful for people. So I'm curious, like, how would you, I know that this is different for everybody, but like, how would you personally describe like a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset? Okay. That's a very good question. So scarcity is more about competition and abundance is collaboration. So in that, let's say, I'll say, I'll use raising capital for real estate syndications just because I've come from that world. And what is very common is, well, I have to protect my investors. I work so hard to gather all these people who trust me and want to invest with me. I don't have a deal right now. I'm not sharing my investors with anybody. I'm not going to And it's not that, I think it's different if somebody asks you, like another syndicator or investor asks you for, oh, do you have investors you can send my way? That's completely different. That person needs to put in some work and some effort to actually gain like the trust. And then it depends on what kind of syndication, if it's a 506B or C, so all of that stuff. And I know that might be over some listeners' head, but that all of that depends on the kind of person you can have invest in your deals. And a lot of newer syndicators for group investments don't realize those differences, they can get in a lot of trouble. So I do think that's different. And if I have investors and I know of really good operators who have a deal coming and I know one of my investors is looking 
for the kind of deal I just saw come my inbox because I'm subscribed to a bunch of different investors and syndicators as well. Someone with a scarcity mindset is not going to ever tell their investor about somebody else's deal and make an introduction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I never Absolutely. believed in that or subscribed to that dogma. Mm-hmm. I always, if I have an investor who's looking for something, or if I know a really good syndicator and they have deals on a regular basis and I know how they operate and things like that, I, and I don't have anything, I look. I don't have anything. I don't even know when I'm going to get something, but I will introduce you to this person over here because I trust them. And I don't mind if you invest with them, I know you'll be in good hands, right? And so I send them. I do that multiple times. And I tell people who are looking to invest passively, make sure you're on list, not just my list. Go find other operators. Tell me what you're looking for. I can make introductions for you. Get on multiple people's lists because you want to have good deal flow. That's me having an abundance mindset because I feel like whenever it is my turn and I'm raising capital, then the people who are drawn to me will be drawn to me and I'll have who I'm supposed to have, whether that's a little or it's a lot, right? It just, it ends up, it'll be what it is at that time. And it'll also depend on me putting in effort to extend my reach to other people, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a long example, but I just think if you are making decisions based off of you don't feel like there's enough for everyone, or if you feel like that if you, for in order for you to grow, somebody else can't be growing, mm-hmm. that's scarcity mindset. And that's going to really limit your potential in the growth that you do receive. And then if you have abundance mindset, that's saying there's more than enough in the world for yeah. everyone. I'm not going to save my bottle of water right here yeah. because... If I give you my bottle of water, I won't ever have water again. That's scarcity, but just share, collaborate. That's abundance. Yeah. And I love that example. And thank you for sharing that because I think that's such a important thing to grasp and like foreign philosophy to embody. Cause like I see that both sides of it so often. And I believe it's like the difference between having a finite mindset and an infinite mindset. If you have a finite that you think that, okay, there's only a certain amount. Like this is you, I believe it's like profits over people. That's a finite mindset. But having a infinite mindset, you're like people over profits. And many times as an advisor, I've had times where, hey, I had a client that may, I may not be able to provide a service for. But I'm going to connect that individual to that person because at the end of the day, like I believe that our job was being the service industry, was talking with service industry, is like saying, how can I help this person up to the best of my ability? And that may, my ability only extends this far. Maybe it has to be connected to someone else that has a different degree of skills. Like, different. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to sit there and try and do my client's taxes. <laughs> just, that's not my thing. <laughs> I know a lot of great people for that. I definitely believe in like really being able to have that mindset. Because I believe like when you have an abundant mindset, you act in alignment with that, the universe has this way of returning the favors. So I think it's such a lot of times people are like, man, like I just, I don't know. But by just doing that thing, the right thing, like it really, again, it builds your reputation as a professional, which you and I both know is so important when it comes to building wealth, which so I really appreciate you diving into that. Man, there's so many things I want to talk through, but I'm Let's go this way. So you said that you built your real estate and you did it with no credit, no connections, no cash. (laughs) 
So a lot of people really believe that dad takes mine to break money, right? Like you can't go out there and do the thing if you don't have the capital to do it. And I, I've had conversations with hundreds of people that like, oh, they can't, they're not going to get wealthy because they didn't have wealthy parents, wealthy friends. They don't know Bill Gates, all those different things. So he clearly proved that wrong, but still, I'm curious to know what is like your thoughts on that? belief that it takes money to make money and what advice would you have for someone who's maybe starting off in your position that you start off at? It, it, especially what I've been through experience-wise, but also hindsight and what I've learned over the years, I believe sacrifice is probably one of the biggest things in understanding a delay in gratification, instant gratification of that mm-hmm. sentiment that's going on nowadays. A lot of people and everybody wants everything now. And that's part of like social media and two-day shipping and all these things. Mm-hmm. Like now you can, you want an album, you could just go and download it immediately. You don't have to order it. You don't have to go to the store and go get it and bring it back. And you know what I mean? Like you, there's so much stuff at our fingertips that's electronic nowadays. And I think that especially for younger generations, they have grown up in this instant type of world. And so now they are disconnected from the time that it takes to build up something like a true wealth, right? Money, everybody wants the quick like windfall, the win the lottery, the Bitcoin, the all the things that can be a potential really quick fix. And the other thing is, even if you got it, you have no money skills, you're going to lose it automatically because your money thermostat's still too low. So that's what happens with most people. So anyway... I think the mindset of being able to sacrifice and even if it's a little bit longer than you want to and think that it's going to take a while for me to build up where I want to go is one of the biggest advice pieces of advice I can give. What does sacrifice look like? I guess for me, when I bought my three family, I didn't have no money. I had very little money. I had I had been working, I don't remember how many years I had been working at that point, but I don't even know if I was at the 50K mark per year annually. And I had this started contributing to my 403B, but I was only doing 3% because I would get a 3% match from my job. And I ended up when I first started looking for property at all, because I had gotten, I went to this center, signed up for this real estate grant for homeowners assistance for down payment assistance. Because I didn't know I didn't have no down payment. I live in New York City. It's very expensive market. I don't have a down payment. Hadn't saved up anything. So. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year round activities and events, It's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
I got this down payment assistance grant and that is it's a grant. I don't have to pay it back. This is me. So I started looking for property. There were a lot of stipulations with the grant and I had two condos that I had in contract that ended up falling through because of some BTI requirements with the grant and I still would have had to come up with 30K and it's like, why do I have a grant if I need to come out of pocket for 20 or 30K? I don't have 20 or 30K. <laughs> and so those ended up falling out. I ended up renting one of those actually because I was good friends, not friends, but had built up a relationship with the, one of the ladies in the HOA. She let me rent until they could figure out some title issues, but I lost the grant in that time because there was a time limit on it. Yeah. So then I, I ended up Doing what I had started learning before in previous years, I had started trying to wholesale because it's one of the first things they tell people with no money and no credit to do as a newbie is to wholesale. So I worked at wholesaling for two years, never did a deal. It was one of those things in my bio that some struggles I went through. But mm -hmm. I learned how to market. I learned how to do direct marketing campaigns and all those because we were doing that. So I did a direct marketing campaign. I, I knew how to pull property lists. Oh, these are all like an example of things that you go through and it may not seem like it's working out at that time, but you're learning a skill set that you never know is going to come in handy later on. Mm -hmm. So I knew how to pull property lists. I knew how to find out owners. I knew that I did one mailing. I knew I was going to have to do a couple, but the three family I bought came from the mailing that I did the very first time. And so at first, it was not in the price range I was looking at all because I had been pre-approved for 200K, but they were basing that off of a one family purchase. When you do a three family, you do two, three, four, they actually, for people out there who don't know, they will actually attribute 75% of the rental income to your, to your income to help you qualify for a higher price on the purchase. So because of that, I was able to qualify for this $500,000 triplex I was never looking for because I never thought I could afford that price point. I was a down payment for that. And mm. I think what I ended up doing is I took a loan from my 403B once I found out you could do that. If you're yeah. doing it for a home, uh, buying a home, they let you do a 10-year amortized loan and they you just got to give them the purchase of sale agreement. So I took a loan from that. I think I borrowed some money from my mom and I don't, I, and just, I probably had already, I also been saving up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I might've had $5,000 saved or whatever. All in all, I needed like 17K to close. I don't know how I got the 17K, even if I'm trying to think back to it now. I know I took the loan from my 403B. It might've been like eight, between eight and 10K. And then if I had a few K saved and then I'd borrow some from my mom, which she didn't have a lot. So even at that point, yeah, she was doing better financially, but she still, it wasn't like she was yeah. big the money, exactly. So all of that kind of came together. And I actually almost even lost that property because my debt to income was just not good. And it wasn't, I wasn't qualifying because once you they look at the taxes, they're going to look at the write-offs that you put in your taxes. So everyone was the most write-offs so they could save money this is part of planning. If you are looking to buy a property, you might have to pay taxes for a couple of years if you want to get the best rate and loan because you need to show that you have the income. Does the bank look at that? And so all of that together, that was a long story, but I ended up getting this three family for 17K. I bought it in an area that was not up and coming. It wasn't the best area. It was everyone. 
Somebody even made a comment like, oh, you're buying over there. Why are you buying over there for? Because it's semi the hood, right? It was those kind of things. But I felt safe there. I'm not out partying. I go to work, I come home, that's it. But the numbers made sense to me. My focus was I want to live for free. That was the biggest expense that I could get rid of in New York City is my rent. And so the other two units pay for the property. Now, yes, is there, there's no cash flow for me, but I'm not paying rent and I'm literally being, I'm still working. So I get to build that up. And if, you know, a tenant, I did have other issues and things that when you, you realize mm-hmm. when you own a property that you're the landlord now, so you have to fix things when they break. Yeah, so that's yeah. a whole nother <laughs> reframe of, of ownership. But that was a sacrifice. Living with tenants, a lot of people are like, I'm not living with tenants. I'm not dealing with tenants because that's too much work. And I know this person, this one person over here, they had one tenant one time and they didn't pay for this and they had to do eviction and that. Like people will pick that one example from one person that they, their cousin, not cousin's cousin's father knows. Yeah. And then base their decision on their financial future based on that. Good. I have no information about what kind of tenant screening that person did what the situation was in the house. Like you cannot base just from a story from one person's side on how this is going to work for you. Talk to people who have done it multiple times. Exactly. It just doesn't make any sense. So that's a whole like sacrifice thing, like living in an area that was very inconvenient. It was not near a train station. had to take a bus to get to a train. So if you're in New York City, you just know about that kind of transferring to get to and from work. It's horrible. It wasn't in a good area. I had to script and save the money just to get the down payment together. But I was willing to sacrifice. And my goal was like, I know this is not my dream house, but it's a good investment. And I'm just going to live here three or four years. And I ended up moving out in four years and moving to a better area. We still rent now, though. But guess what? Now that building, whatever the unit that we were living in rents for, I use that to subsidize our rent in this location, which we wouldn't have been able to, we could have afforded, but we wouldn't have the same quality of life if we had to pay out of pocket for the rent that we have here. And now we have savings for when we get a house. We were looking and of course the pandemic hit, so that threw off everything. But anyway, super long explanation. I'm, I apologize, but no, yeah. sacrifice. Yeah, it's just because people were, oh, that's like the last point about sacrifice. People were boohooing the location of the property. It's like somebody who didn't own anything was still renting, was saying, why are you buying over there? That's the wrong person to listen to. Anybody out there, listen to someone who has bought rental properties that has experience is can show you how to sidestep them as much as possible yeah. and then go out there and try it. But that investment, four years later when I moved, it had increased $200,000 in equity. In value. Mm-hmm. So I was able to pull from refinance and pull from that and use that for the next investment purchase that I made. And then I use the next. So it helped me level up to the next level because I was willing to sacrifice for a short period of time. And four years might not seem short to some people, but in the grand scheme of things, your life is going to go on, hopefully, right? For four years, you'll still be around. So where are you going to be in that four years? Are you going to be in a better place because you made a tough decision to sacrifice for a short period of time? It's your mindset of what's short and what's long. So I told you I could get wordy. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, I'm going to stop with the sacrifice. Because I love it because you mentioned so many like really just key points that like I think are so highlighted as people go on in their journey. And so on, like things either, if things are going to cost you time or money, 
That's one thing I've learned in life, right? And if you don't have the money, spend the time. Yeah. If you yeah. have the money, or if you have, if you don't have the time, spend the money. It's just like so, it's, you did summarize my entire story in two seconds. Thank you. Yeah, I need no, to learn how to do that. No, <laughs> no but I, I love it because it gives it so much context, and I believe a lot of people like one. Okay, there's two sides to this. This is when you're first starting out. Like not many people are going to have the connection. Not many people are going to have the capital. All those different things. But sacrifice the time. Maybe like you can cut out those two hours of Netflix that every single night that you use to decompress to maybe learn a few new skills or make some connections. Maybe going out and having fun on a Friday night, you could spend that time building and going into yourself. Like that keyword sacrifice, being able to actually doing those things, oftentimes where I find the difference between people that have the mass amount of success and down. And then you mentioned another thing that I think is really important, but don't base, you know, your life off other people's failures. I think a lot of times people will like choose not to go down a route or choose not to do something because someone else told them, hey, like I this didn't work for me. But they're often not telling you the entire story. And frankly, their view is probably biased by something that they did not do. I'm very, and there's some people that pass a class with flying cars and some people that pass a class or don't pass a class and fail it, right? But the curriculum was the same. <laughs> At the end of the day, are you going to blame the teacher? Are you going to blame the homework? Or are you going to be like, hey, are you going to take that accountability? Yeah, maybe exactly. or something. I didn't too. Exactly. Right? And I think that's such an important thing for people to really understand as they go through their journey. And stairs, I always try to see if, if someone else has accomplished that thing, I can accomplish it as well too. Even if there was just one or two people, like there is a possibility and those people may know something different. They may have done something different, but I simply need to just you know understand that. And that's only going to take me time to do. So I really appreciate you sharing that again. So as we're like wrapping up, there's a couple of things that I want to, before I go there, I think this is one important question I did want to ask you. Do you feel like just through the journey you come through, do you feel like anyone is able to do these things? Do you feel like you were maybe blessed with some special sauce or you had the mojo or something along those lines that made you different that allowed you to do this stuff? Or do you feel like anyone can go on the show themselves? <laughs> I have all the mojo, all right. the mojo, give it to me. I have it all. I stole it all from the rest of the world. I have it all. No. Yes. Do, are there things that I feel like help me in real estate? Yeah, but that it, those are all things that are learnable. And what I will say for that is it goes back to like me having grit, me not coming from, and sometimes this, whether it's a good or a bad thing, right, is debatable, but that if it will help me in real estate, good. Does it help me in other areas of life? Maybe not. Maybe it's a little detrimental, right? So you got to give and take your experience and the skills yeah. and mindset. But me being able to have grit and persistence, like I told you, that was because I saw my mom working two to three jobs, right? Yeah. So that was based in a not a great history, right? Mm -hmm. So that I think my ability to push through and not let things or circumstances really affect me. I'll get upset for it. I can't get upset. I'll get upset for a minute. And then the next thing is like, all right, deep breath. I can't keep focusing on this because I will get nothing else done. 
I will have no progress. I won't be able to refocus and do the work that I need to do to really elevate. So me focusing on this bad thing and putting so much energy and time into this thought over here is not going to help me get to where I want to go. It's not going to help me be abundant to get the financial freedom and all those other things. So I know how to like shut that off and just focus over here. So I have taught myself just to forget those kind of things, which in the grand scheme of things, some people could argue is not healthy for me mentally because I'm not actually sitting and processing those emotions. But to me, is I don't have time for that. Like, I'm not that, I'm not, I'm definitely different than, I don't want to say I was going to say I'm definitely different than the average female. Average, average, don't get offended out there. But most of the time, like, if somebody's comparing me to something their wife does or their friend's wife do or whatever, I'm completely not in that same mindset or category because we are working and building over here. So in any case, yes, I think anybody can do it. It's just using the skill set and mindset that you have to build upon it. Like I built up with very little, I piecemealed, I made it happen. I sent direct mail out. Like I hand wrote letters because I couldn't afford to hire a company to do. So I just did what I could do within my means. And then also another tip, which I wish I had done with, and I didn't, was I knew about networking and trying to learn and meet other experienced investors and like volunteer with them or try to get someone to be an unofficial mentor if you can't pay for a mentor. But you have to be willing to put in the work and the time and just volunteer with that person to learn everything that you can and just be around them and just being in that circle and learning those things you never know what that's going to lead to. And that goes back to the abundant growth mindset. Sometimes you're just doing things because you have this abundance mindset. You don't know how it's going to be repaid to you in the future. You're not even doing it to be repaid to you in the future. Mm-hmm. Just having that as like a, a core belief in you being a go-giver. That's another great book for people to read. Yeah. Like you can be a go-giver eventually things will line up and start happening for you. So don't always think, oh, I'm not working for free for somebody. Oh, they make me do all this grunt work and get, do a spreadsheet or get a coffee or whatever it is. Just be in their presence. That's enough to learn and grow and be accustomed to hearing bigger numbers and knowing like just their thought process and taking their thought process and taking pieces of that serve you and instilling that into a part of your new thought process. So it's all about who you're around. And so I think the biggest thing for people getting started is being willing to sacrifice, being willing to change your mindset, being willing to bootstrap things and get it together and connecting with higher level people that you can find a way to add value to from whatever skill set you can do it. If you don't have a skill set, you don't think everyone has a skill set. They just don't realize it. But yeah, if you think it's minimal, then just volunteer to do the grunt work for them. Stuff that you don't find off their plate. They will just appreciate that. So there's ways to pull it together and bootstrap it and make it happen. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. One more question before we go into the Bible questions. Yeah, it's because... Well, you have Bible questions too. Yeah, I got some Bible questions. So yeah, so before I dive into that, a little spoiler alert here, guys. I'm going to be on Nicole's podcast pretty soon. So watch out for that. Watch out for that. I'm curious because I find that there's always so much significance and meaning behind the names that we ascribe to things. 
So, and I'm sure I probably won't get the opportunity to ask this, but what does share the wealth mean to you? Because as you guys, I don't know if you, did I mention that you got you know, also the podcast show? I think I did. I think I, you might've yeah. read it in my yeah. bio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You guys definitely got to check out that show. It was absolutely amazing. So I'm curious, what is, yeah, what does share the wealth mean to you, Nicole? To me, actually, wealth is information and experiences. Yeah. And that's what sharing it is. Now, I've had so many guests on there that share their journey and share mm-hmm. tidbits and information that can really help people level up. And it's all about the implementation. So we're sharing the wealth. The wealth is the information because to me, the reason I started the podcast was because I knew there were rules that the affluent people in other communities were taught that we weren't taught because our parents didn't know it because our parents came from a different culture, a different time and a different set of like access, which was mm-hmm. literally like no access. Yeah. And so they couldn't pass down that knowledge and information to us because they didn't know it. But the society is changing and is letting us have access to a lot of these things we previously didn't. Like, is that the amount is debatable right there? We, this is not that show and we could go into that and there's a whole other rabbit hole of, of our access <laughs> and, and who's trying to block our access or whatever, whatever it is, it's still out there. There are still rules to the game and we can still utilize the rules if we learn them. And there's so many mm-hmm. loopholes that they make for the wealthy. Actually, the wealthy made the loopholes for themselves. We have access to it if we learn them. So yeah. that's the wealth. The wealth is in the information of how to do these things in the untraditional way that normally people at our level of, of finance or caliber or whatever you make, it's not a billionaire status. So yeah. There's different rules for them. So until we get there, what rules are available to us at our level so we can level up? And then what rules are available to us at that level so that we can level up again? Until we start to climb the ladder up to wherever we feel is our, where our goals and our abundant life and we can live how we want to live. So Share the Wealth to me is about really unearthing like different strategies that are outside of the normal box of invest in your retirement account that's probably the only thing we've been taught. Yeah. So it's sharing the information. That's what Share the Wealth is to me. I love it. You definitely embody the abundance, Nicole. So as we wrap up here, this is a question that I love to you know, just dive into with all my guests. But I wanna, want you to imagine a scenario. Imagine that you are on your deathbed, actually, and your children were asking you, hey, Nicole, I want to know how to live a fulfilling life. I want to know how to live a life in abundance, live a life of meaning, but you're only able to give them three pieces of advice. What three pieces of advice would you tell them? Oh, man, this is so hard. I need to think about this. Oh, why didn't you send me these questions beforehand? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Off the cuff, three pieces of advice would to be probably a lot of things that we already discussed, but number one would be really work, even if you're building something, but really working hard to be intentional about being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the family and the friends and your kids or loved ones or whoever's around you. Yeah. If there's something happening, and I still struggle with this a lot because I'm always trying to work on things. Like I have a lot going on. So I'm creating like systems and processes extremely so I can have that time to spend with them more. So it doesn't mean like 100% of your time 
is just with the family and friends. But if you're at a dinner or if you're at the park with your kids or whatever, put the phone away, be in the moment and play, be in the moment and talk to the person across the table from you, be in the moment and listen to what they're saying. So I think just being in the moment is more about not letting distraction and cellular products and things like that and all the technology pull you away from what's happening right now because time passes really quickly. And there are plenty of times I regret where I was supposed to call someone or I was supposed to do something and then that person passed away and I wasn't able to anymore because I wasn't letting myself be in that moment. So yeah, so that's one. Two, I would say let your vision and your goals, like of your lifestyle, create a, create your life, like lifestyle design is like a big thing. So in, in you building, if you are someone trying to build wealth or build abundance or build a business, whatever it is to get you to the freedom and choices that you would want in your life, make sure that living in the moment kind of concept ties into the building of the thing or the doing of the actual activities. Create the life that you can build and still enjoy life at the same time. And that's very difficult. But if you can be intentional about that and making sure your vision and goals of how you want your life to look, that you don't allow business opportunities or other things to cloud or come into circumvent some of the lifestyle choices that you like, how you want to live. So one, living in the moment. Two, in the planning of the future, make sure you're building for you to be able to live in the moment. So that's the next thing. And three is just getting the knowledge and having, mm-hmm. getting as much knowledge as you can. Yeah. And it, no, not just knowledge. Knowledge by itself is trash. Knowledge without implementation. Yes. What is, yeah. Uh, knowledge and implementation. I don't know if that's three or four, but I'm going to bundle it into three. Knowledge yeah. and do. Not, <laughs> learn and act. Learn and act. Or act and then do, act and learn. Yeah, no, I receive it because I think it's so important, especially in the last point there, because it's really easy to read all the things, watch all the videos, see all the people doing it, and then just sit there and be like, wow, that song all sounds real good. <laughs> and then when I just take time to do something, we don't. But the reality is that we only get results from taking action. So I love it. I love it. But last question, how would you describe someone's breaking through their glass ceiling? How would I describe someone breaking through their glass ceiling? How would I describe them? Yeah. All right. So they're breaking in the process of breaking through. Okay. I describe them as someone who is really like a maverick. Someone who is doing things like an individual who doesn't follow the herd, who pushes through. Who it is just making sure they're not normal, not normal, but you know what I mean? They're an individual and they're pushing, they're doing the things like I think of a maverick as someone who is a pioneer and going off the venture beaten path to create their own way and create their own lifestyle. And so I feel like if you got to the point where you're breaking a glass ceiling, you did some things different and you think different than what everybody else is. And that's why you're able to push through that. Because there's a glass ceiling there for a reason, because to keep people, certain people in their place, air quote. So if you were able to push through that and push right to the verge and you're getting above it, it's because you're willing to play outside the mold. 
I love it. I love it. So I know you got an ex- mentorship program on this microfamily investing accelerator. And definitely audience, you guys definitely have to check this out because it is absolutely amazing. But I'd love for you to like, you know, just kind of give us a synopsis, Nicole, <laughs> of this amazing program we have going on. I will make it super short because I'm already getting so wordy. But Eddie, in any case, um, I come from the multifamily world. And like I was saying before, there's a lot of people in syndications and getting group investments and things like that. I have talked to a lot of people who are experienced or new or trying to get started in it or have been in it for a couple of years. And the general consensus is it's not what people think when they get started because you get started in real estate investing because you want to build that lifestyle of abundance and financial freedom and all those things. And getting started as a syndicator, if you are a new syndicator, mm-hmm. I believe there's a lot more hurdles to making that happen than people think. And you should partner with somebody who is more experienced because you need to learn how to do syndications. And you can't, is someone going to trust you with their money to invest in something if you've never done a 50 unit building before? Is your first one, who's going to give you that capital? If you're partnered with somebody who's experienced and they've done a lot more, then maybe that now gives you can leverage that and you guys are partnered together. But in that partnership, depending on how much and it should not depend on how much capital you bring to the deal because that is against SEC regulations. But in any case, depending on your activity in the deal and depending on like how much capital that you think you're going to be able to bring, but you're also, that's going to depend on your split of the deal, which ends up being a lot less than mm. most people realize because the GP is a general partner team that's running the deal. They already mm-hmm. take a backseat to the limited partners capital. So of the limited partners, mm-hmm. those are the LPs, the passive investors, they invest and they get most of the time their returns first before the general partners to get anything. And so as the general partners are doing all the work, so yeah, you can get into it with putting no money out of pocket as a general partner. And that's why a lot, I think a lot of people are drawn to that. But it's such a slow uptick, even like the acquisition fees you get, if you get asset management fees, most of the time you don't, you get your big payout at the end after three, five, six, seven years and you reposition the building. Now you increase the value a lot and you sell it. Now you get your chunk of money. So you're working for five to seven years to get the chunk of money that you thought you were going to get at the very beginning, but you're not. So in any case, that is a long story of what the general sentiment of doing syndications is for newer investors. And I, even though I did do syndication, I wasn't reliant on the money that I was going to get from syndication because I already had smaller buildings that were providing cash flow. So that's my three unit. That, like I said, we re- I refied that and I bought a six unit and then I refied that after a year and bought a five unit. And so I'm just recycling that same capital, that 17K grew through appreciation and rehabbing and renovating property. And it grew and I kept being able to refinance, pull out equity and get another one. Refinance, pull out equity, get another one. And that's what I'm teaching in this group. I'm teaching people how to start with smaller multifamily, which is why I call it microfamily. Something where you can joint venture partner with one or two, three other people. Something where you don't have to go and raise money per se. Maybe you can bring a capital partner in, but it's for a smaller deal. You don't have to do a syndication. And that partner can have some type of responsibility for the deal so that you're not creating a syndication, right? And or an offering. 
So I think that you can create more cash flow and financial freedom for yourself faster with smaller multifamily and then scale up into syndication if that's something that you want to do or if that's something that you have some other reason or why behind why you want to do syndication. My why was because I wanted to bring access and opportunities to people who didn't normally see those opportunities. So if they see it coming from me, some communities are going to receive that different than seeing it coming from who it normally comes from in that in the space. So that's why I did syndication. But now I see that I can impact people more by showing them how to do the smaller multifamily. And so that's why I switched gears. So my impact, I still will be involved with syndications in the future, mainly for that impact of creating access to the people who syndication models fits for as a passive investor. But I yeah. think most people, especially in our communities that I really want to help create wealth, I need to show them how to get these smaller properties, the mindset behind it, all the like the underwriting, how to pick the market, like all of the different things. Like I literally can't hold you through. I have a five pillar process and a handful through like all of the steps and we have accountability and there's a group of people already in the program and they all have the same mindset and they all want to grow and we're all like a group of minorities right now and I love that I want to see us build wealth because my main mission across all of the different ventures that I'm involved in is closing the wealth gap and how can we do that and like you said I experienced the power of multifamily and I want to help other people experience that power too and I think a lot of these other coaching groups that cost 30, 40K, and I've met people who can pay 30, 40K for a coaching program. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't think that it should be that inaccessible. So that's what the program is about. I'm doing a relaunch in July because there's some things I wanted to tweak and add to it to make it even more fluent and better for the people who are in the program. And, but if anybody's interested, just message me and we can hop on a call about it and go from there and see if it's the right fit. Because I definitely want people who have that growth and abundance mindset in the group and not people who are going to be in the competition mode. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I'm sure there's going to be so many people that are going to be able to want to connect us, want to be able to learn more about your journey so they can also start on their own path. So what are the best ways to reach out and connect with you, Nicole? One... I think right now either Facebook or LinkedIn, probably LinkedIn, but sometimes you can't connect with somebody on LinkedIn. You can't message them if you're not already connected. So go to my website. My website is noirvestholdings.com, N-O-I-R-V-E-S-T, holdings.com, holdings with the S. All my social media is there. You can send me a message through there. Also, my email is nicole at noirvestholdings.com. And I'm sure you'll have all of this these links in the show notes as well. But if you look me up on, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So if you look me up on any one of those, you'll find me and Nicole Pendergrass and send me a message and let me know you hold, you heard me on Breaking the Glass Stealing podcast and you want to connect. Yeah, we definitely can take it from there. Awesome. I love it. This has been absolutely awesome. I appreciate your transparency and sharing your journey, Nicole. I'm sure there's going to be so many gems that people are going to be able to take away and be able to improve or even just continue to navigate a little bit better to the journey. Because we all know that it ain't just sunshine and rainbows in that time. <laughs> so we appreciate you having on the show, Nicole. And we'll see you guys next week on Breaking the Glass Ceiling. 
One last thing before you go, don't forget to subscribe, like, and post review this episode on your favorite streaming platform. And if you know a cool cat that could benefit from this experience we had together, share this episode with them because we build better when we learn together. And feel free to slide into my DMs and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. See you back here soon. We're breaking the glass ceiling. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.